to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. I'd like to welcome you again to Freedom to Choose in our series Parables and Object Lessons. And once again, if you're keeping score at home, this is number four uh, of our programs, um, of our series, Parables and Object Lessons. And you know, last time, uh, well, let's get to a word, let's have a word of prayer. And then I want to just talk a little bit about last time, because I wrote some notes down here. And then not only that, but uh, we want to let the listeners know, if they don't already know, that they can go to our website to get um, some previous audio recordings that we've done, as well as we have some resources that are available um, we send them out for free, so you can just contact us on our resource page and um, let us know what you're looking for. We have a, a couple of workbooks and a prayer journal and, and just a couple of other items that we'd like to be able to share with people if they'd like the resources. Oh, so very good. It's www.justasiamministries.com or call us at 916-645-1297. Almost gave out your mobile again, almost. didn't you? <laughs> I almost did. They could call my mobile. It'd be all right. Okay, uh, yeah, let's let's start with a word of prayer, okay. okay? Loving Father in heaven, thank you once again for um, a new opportunity to speak about your goodness and your principles and, and uh, your desire for us to be born again. We pray now that you will send your spirit to be with us and everyone who's listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I like what you said in the prayer, your des- our, uh, the desire to be born again, and which brings me to what I wanted to kind of talk about that we, we, we discussed right at the end of the last program. You said something... Uh, that uh, metaphorically woke me up a little bit. When you said love awakens love, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about that a little bit because God is, is love. Love, right? Okay. God is not. God is not just loving. He, he is. He is the embodiment of, of love. love. He is love. I don't. I don't think I can really wrap my mind too much. I mean, yeah, I it, guess you can a little bit, but nowhere near as much as it, what it means. Do you right, know? because the Bible doesn't say God is kindness, God is forgiving, God or God is forgiveness, God is, it says God is love. Right. And love's attributes right. are all those other attributes, but they all stem from him being- A loving embo- being. Uh, being the embodiment of love, being right. what love is, which just, I don't think we comprehend that. You know, and then we watch Jesus- as he walks through society and we see how love actually operates in a human being Mm -hmm. because Jesus is love because Jesus is God and God is love. Well, and I, I think that a lot of times, you know, when, when we, uh, sometimes people will take that and because of the hardness of our hearts and our experiences here on earth, they take, well, God is love. You need to be loving. And it's kind of like that people think that it's either, 
um, this permissive way or that you uh, anything goes because you're just going to love everybody and love everybody and everybody's going to be loved to hell, right? But that's um, that's not because love always does also the right, does the right thing. Love always does the right thing. Right. And sometimes love, you know, love can um, um, uh, do what's necessary in order to bring people back to repentance. Yeah. You know, so when we talk about that, I think that that, that word has a really bad rap, mm-hmm. especially in the context of, of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, love does the tough thing, but it always does the right thing. Right. You know, uh, you can't explain to a little child what a 2,000-pound piece of metal moving at 40 miles an hour is going to do to that little child if they run out into the street. Right. So what does love do? Love threatens to swat that child on right. the bottom if they run out into the street because they don't understand physics yet or, or, or inertia. Or, you right. know. or love will scream at them and, and you know, act erratically to go grab them out of the street. even to get their attention. Absolutely. Yeah. Love does the right thing. It always does the right thing at the risk of being misunderstood. Yes. And we have to remember that. And then we also talked at the end of the program about perfect love casting out fear and why this, is that so important and um you know i know in my life the reason my heart is hard the reason i have the stony the wayside and the choked out thorny ground in my heart is because of one word and that's fear right i i i i I allow weeds to choke out i i allow my heart to get hard and and i become a different person because of the word fear Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to protect myself. I think the one thing that we've talked about a lot is um, has to do with what is the lens that we see life through. Um, uh, one of the the best things for people to get over um, any type of trauma or anything is to look at it in a different light. Look at it in um, it not being about you say somebody was abused not being about you and says anything about you but what about the person that who is the perpetrator and um you know being able to recognize that everybody else is almost as sick as i am yeah you know so those principles um can help us not to have the those hard stony hearts you know not allow the i mean you look at the life of jesus and you look look the the king of the universe the one who created this planet the one who created human beings and everything that he went through when he became a man and lived the life of a human being and you look at the tragedy and the things that he went through at the hands of evil men and yeah. yet when he was on the cross yeah, and, and he said, "I've you know, I forgive you." I, I forgive you. And the th- I think the lesson to be learned is is because you know we get upset with people when they say or do things that we don't think are right towards us, mm-hmm. and we have to remember it doesn't say anything about us. Right. It says uh, things about them. Right. The way they treated Jesus didn't say anything about him. It said things about the evilness of what was in their heart. Right. He was innocent. He was and, good. And but see, I think that Jesus treated people the way that he did because he saw behind the action of the human being and saw someone who was in pain who had probably gone through their own experiences. You know, Jesus was able to look beyond the here and now and and to to recognize uh, that there was suffering humanity. Right. 
you know, that that their actions and everything, yes, evil, but it also came through it because because sin had entered into the world and um, nothing is as it should be. Right. Yep. We got that. We all have that infection. We all share that infection of fear and it manifests itself in selfishness. And it goes right down, and it's gone down through the generations. And so, right, so are we able to step back and say, you know, I have to um, be grateful for where I'm at right now and to, you know, to forgive or to let people, you know, grow with me instead of, you know, pushing people away? And yeah, like and that. I think, well, that's where the parable of the sower comes in, comes in because we were talking about, you know, that Jesus spent most of his time preparing the soil. Right. Right. Didn't he? Right. I mean, he went around preparing the soil all the time. Right. He was he was that, constantly that, ministering to people, meeting their needs, taking healing care of them. them. Yeah, and that them. prepares the sword. Right. We're saying love awakens love. Right, right? exactly. So, so yeah, let's let's go back to the parable here. In fact, let's read it one more time. Okay. Christ said, Behold, the sower went forth, forth to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no depthness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell onto good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Okay, so there's the parable again. Now, in our look at the parable, uh, what we first discovered, and we talked a little bit about last time, that the parable of the sower mainly deals with the effect produced on the growth of the seed by the soil into which it's cast. Right, because you said God never changes, the Word of God never, never Jesus never changes, the Word of God never changes. It's the, it's the it's human the heart, human heart. That, that has the problem, and that's right. why he's describing all these conditions of the soil. Right, so let's review the soil conditions that Jesus had talked about. There was the wayside, the stony, the thorns, and the good soil. Last time we looked at the wayside, so today we're going to begin with the stony places. In fact, we'll review quickly the soil by the wayside. Okay, so yeah, let's let's just touch on that one real quick, uh, and then we'll go to the stony ground. Okay. So explaining the seed that fell by the wayside, he said, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth the way that which is sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. Right. The seed sown by the wayside represents the word of God as it falls upon the heart of an inattentive hearer. Like the hard beaten path worn down by the feet of men and animals, the heart becomes a highway for the world's traffic, its pleasures and sins. I like what you said there. The heart becomes a highway for the world's traffic and its pleasures and sin. You know, and we get absorbed in selfish goals and the soul it's hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's Hebrews three thirteen. And our, you know, we can become paralyzed. Our spiritual faculties can actually become paralyzed. And the and the problem is that that we don't recognize that these parables they apply to us. We don't realize our need nor our danger, and we don't take these messages seriously. Exactly. As the birds are ready to catch up the seed from the wayside, so Satan is ready to catch away the seeds of the truth from our heart. Um, he, Satan fears. Satan's fear is that the word of God may wake up those things that are careless and that the word will 
have a positive effect upon our hardened heart. Satan is always trying to thwart the work of the Spirit of God. Yeah, he doesn't want us to hear and analyze the truth. Right. He doesn't want us to, to notice God's love and to look at the way Jesus acts and look at the storyline and how love actually acts. He doesn't want us to see that. Right. He just wants us to go day to day. Get caught uh, up it, in a legal religion right. or some type of thing like that, worried about how we're keeping some rules and, and whatnot and not noticing how he treated people so we would know how to treat people. And, you know, you learn to speak by speaking. You learn to study by studying. You learn to walk by walking. You learn to run by running. You learn to love by loving. Mm-hmm. That's right. how it works. Right. And so to learn to love by loving, you watch one who is love. Right. And so as he's describing these, the wayside, and, and he, the devil wants us to be obscured from the love of God. If we don't see... If we don't see the beauty in, uh, that love actually is, if he can obscure that, he's it's, he's actually snapping, snatching that out of our hearts before it lets right. it take root. Exactly. And so you stop and you see how many people go throughout this world in their life and they don't have the love of God even presented to them, let alone people being kind to them. You know, it's, right. that's, that's part of, I think, the... You know, the mission of, of God's people is to go out and to be an example to them, you right. know, to reach out to people where they're hurting and to show them that there is a way because it's, you know, they have to they have to be able to see it. You gotta be able to see it. You gotta right. be able to experience and and then and then that's that's the preparation of that soil. That's right. So the stony places, let's go into the stony places. He that receives the seed into the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word Anon with joy receiveth it, yet he hath not root in him of himself, but endureth for a while. But when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, and because and by and by he is offended. That, um, yeah. So trial or tribulation comes, and it troubles us. That's right, because the seed is. It, when it's sown upon a stony ground, it doesn't have any depth, depth of soil. Right. So the plant will spring up quickly, but the root can't penetrate the rock to find nourishment to sustain its growth, and it perishes. So once again, a condition of the heart. In all the examples of the parable of the sower, the sower remains the same. The seed remains the same. So those whom Jesus is talking about here are those who make a profession of religion only. They are stony ground hearers, like the rock underneath the layer of earth, the selfishness of the natural heart lies under the soil of their good desires and aspirations. They have selfish motives. That's right. Because the love of self is not restrained, and they haven't seen the damage their selfishness causes to those around them and to themselves, and the heart hasn't been humbled under a sense of guilt. This class may easily may be easily convinced and appear to be bright converts, but they only have a superficial religion. You know, it's true that joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, Luke fifteen seven, and there's joy in the soul that believes on Christ. But those who, and we're talking about those in the parable, are said to receive the word immediately, yet they don't yet count the cost. They don't consider the lifestyle change. They don't bring the necessary change face-to-face with all their habits of life and yield themselves fully to the word, I'm going to say, transformation. Right, because we had talked about how um, the, your associations have to change when you're, you know, when you become a Christian, everything everything changes. You know, mm-hmm. it beca- you you're transformed into a new creature. Yeah, and and you know, uh, a friend of mine told me a while back because I, I 
I went on this weight loss program and my wife helped me and it was, and what, what he said, it was really valuable. He said, he said, Rich, you're not on a diet. You're on a lifestyle change. Right. And you know what? I, so I, I was able to lose 25 pounds, but to keep it off is that lifestyle change. And that you can apply that to almost anything in life. See, sobriety and recovery are two different things. Sobriety would be your diet, but recovery is your lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. You see, and it's the same thing with Christianity. You can't just you, you can't just go on a diet and watch what you do. It's a complete lifestyle change. You have to have different motives, different aspirations, your goals. And what Susan does in this, I mean, I went on a fourteen hundred calorie per day diet for six months, and she was weighing my food. And all that kind of stuff. And now that diet is over. I'm I'm hovering right at the right weight, and we're still right. weighing the food, yep. and we're still we're still walking five miles a day. We're still, it, this is and you know I hit the weight I wanted to hit two months ago. Right. But this lifestyle change now it's become real, and this is what we now do. Right. And and this is Christianity at its core. It's a lifestyle change. You just can't go on a diet every now and then when you want to lose a little weight, when you want to change a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the the uh, stony ground here is I, I, I think Jesus is talking about them not wanting that complete lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. You know, they receive the receive it with joy. Hey, I'm going on a diet. Right. But then. Oh then really? The, I got to Then gotta the cut, cake comes by. Yeah. I got to cut this out. I got I mean, I got to I gotta walk five miles a day. You mean I got to go volunteer over here? You mean I got to be nice to this person even though they're not nice to me? Mm-hmm. And all of this lifestyle change, well, you know, I don't really have to. You mean I got to stop talking about these people? And all everything Jesus says, you know, this this, this is and, the lifestyle. And, and the, right, so you and the thing is is you can look at it as a diet because so many times people look at it as diets as being restrictive. But and they're Je- not. and Jesus is not saying this is not restrictive. I'm not trying to restrict you. I'm trying to free you. It's healthful. Yeah, this is going to give you life forevermore. Yeah, it's healthy. It, it's not. It's not. You know, preventing you from doing something that you want to do. It's actually something that's going to give you eternal life. And look at the byproducts, because it's healthy to love your neighbor. Right. And when you love your neighbor, you don't steal from them. You don't covet them. You, you don't. You co- don't covet their stuff. You don't covet. The, you, you. So the byproducts of living a healthy, loving lifestyle are. Basically, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. See, right. it's it's we, we read that the opposite way. Well, if I keep my commandments, it proves I love Jesus. And it's the other way around. If you if if you live a loving, healthy lifestyle, by default, you're you will gonna be, do you, the right thing you're for do the, the right, right thing all the time, bet. see? And and so and and in the parable, the stony ground, the roots never go in. Mm-hmm. See, they never go in because there's always something that's disrupting that Christian lifestyle that we don't like. Right. And so we don't follow through on the new lifestyle. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Christianity is a lifestyle change, not Mm -hmm. a diet. Right. The roots of the plant will go down deep into the soil and where we can't see. The life of the plant is nourished. So it is with the Christian. It is by the invisible union of the soul with Christ through faith that the spiritual life is nourished. And yeah. that, ha- that has to happen for yeah. each individual on their own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the seed can be planted, but uh, see, and, and that's the thing about the story, stony ground here is they depend upon self instead of Christ. They trust in their good works, their good impulses, and they're strong in their own righteousness. They're not strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And, and, 
And like Jesus says, such a one hath not root in himself, for he is not connected with Christ. Right. The hot summer sun that strengthens and ripens a grain destroys that which has no depth of root. So he who hath not root in himself dureth for a while, but when tribulation or persecution persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. Yeah, you know, and that's interesting that the summer that the hot summer sun that strengthens and ripens will harm that Some. which doesn't have root. Right. You see? So And that ha- that's 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 what happens in the physical world it, too. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and so, you know, and and some people, like, uh, as I think about this, me included, of course, can have a tendency to try to use the gospel as a way of escape from suffering, you know, rather than a deliverance from sin. In other words, you know, we, we can rejoice because we think that religion is going to free us from difficulty and trial. Right, and so when life moves smoothly with yeah. them, we appear to be um, consistent Christians, but they weaken under the fiery test of temptation and they can't bear the trial for Christ's sake. Yeah, see, and that'll happen when the Word of God, you know, I know for me, points out some cherished sin or requires self-denial or sacrifice. You know, I can tend to become upset. And, and you know, these stony ground hearers, um, you know, they make the unconscious decision that it would cost too much, too much effort to make a radical change and I in think, life. And I think the reason why is because we look at the present inconvenience of a trial and we forget the right, eternal realities. The eternal, you know. Right. Just like the disciples who left Jesus, they were ready to say, this is a hard, who left Jesus, they are ready to say, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? John six sixty. Right. They profess to accept Christ as their Savior, but they don't believe that he will give them the power to overcome their sins. They have not a personal relation with the living Savior, and their characters reveal, defect, reveal detect, defects, Excuse me, both hereditary and cultivated. But there's good news. There is. Right? The only hope for us is to realize that the truth of, Christ, of Christ's words to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Except a man be born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We must be born again. Must be born again, yeah. So the true holiness is in the service of God. This is a condition of true Christian living. Christ asks for an unreserved consecration, for undivided service. He demands the heart, the mind, the soul, the strength. Self is not to be cherished. He who lives to himself is not a Christian. And we come back to that principle of love. Love must be the principal action. Love is the underlying principle of God's government and heaven and earth, and it must be the foundation of the Christian character. This alone can make us steadfast. This alone can enable us to withstand trial and temptation. Right, and love will be revealed in sacrifice, right? That's right. The plan plan of redemption was laid in a sacrifice, a sacrifice so broad and deep and high that it's immeasurable, isn't it? That's right. Christ gave all for us, and those who receive Christ will be ready to sacrifice all for the sake of their Redeemer. The thought of his honor and glory will always come before anything else. Right, right. If we love Jesus, we should love to live for him. We should feel the same tender carry for souls that he feels. This is a religion of Christ. Anything short of that is a deception. The effort to serve both self and Christ makes one a stony ground here. 
and he will not endure the test when it comes upon him. You know, that Jesus, that those are, that's what Jesus talked about with the stony ground here. You know, folks, we're about ready to wrap it up here. You can get a hold of us at uh, www.justasiamministries.com or call 916-645-1297. Get a hold of Susan. She'll send you a book out or whatever you need. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 